Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I feel like nurses and teachers have a lot in common, So much. you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, they, they work so hard. So many teachers and so many nurses go into the professions because they want to help people, they want to change the world, they want to do good. Um, but you know, there's, there's always a few bad eggs that give professionals a bad name who either go in for wrong reasons or just, you know, sometimes are a little mean girl energy. 100%. That's, that's fine. Yes. But it just kind of, you know, goes to like stereotypes and then, there's so many people out there that don't take what teachers and nurses do seriously or like, have you had a lot of experience with that? Absolutely. And I think that there's like a stereotype with nurses, especially that like mean girls in high school. Yeah. Grow up to be nurses. I used to see memes like that. Yes. Like, um, have you checked on your high school bully lately? And what department of nursing is she <laughs> right? going into? <laughs> I don't understand. I totally have seen that like stereotype. Um, Where does that come from? I guess part of it's true. I mean, I guess. Is it? I mean, I guess that you know, sometimes any any bully's got to grow up to be something. So I guess some of them grow up to be nurses. I haven't personally experienced like uh, bullies that I knew in high school turning out to be nurses, but it has to have some sort. Of <laughs> if everyone's if talking everyone about it, that, yeah, that's so crazy because like you wouldn't assume that someone who like actually takes joy in being mean to people why would they want to go and wait on people hand and foot like that makes no sense to I me i wonder if the bad ones get into it because it's almost like a like a power trip kind of thing i don't know but i'm just <laughs> assuming that like because when you're a nurse you have a lot of autonomy um depending on where you work and then also you're with people that during very vulnerable moments of their life. So I assume that those who get into it for the wrong reason, reasons might get into it for things like money or something like that. Because you can make a lot of money in nursing. Do you know that? Yeah. Like travel nursing and stuff. Like wow. You can, you can do a lot with it. So I personally don't see too many people who I really think were high school bullies being, maybe I just got really good coworkers. I don't know. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's but so sweet. I don't, I don't see too many of, like, people that I associate as bullies being nurses, um, but they are there for sure. In what department? So you're, like, labor and delivery, right? Labor and delivery. Have you always been labor and delivery? No. Where'd you start? So my nursing journey started as a wee child, actually. <laughs> because a wee laugh. A little baby. Um, because my mom was a nurse. So I kind of grew up around oh. nursing. Um, and my mom actually 
became a nurse after I was already a thing. Like okay. after I was a child person. Yeah, yeah, you were uh, a whole I was a whole, whole human being. Human before yeah. my mom decided that she was going to go into right. nursing. She worked as a manager of Pizza Inn before oh. that. And then went into nursing. And all I remember is like sitting at the kitchen table being like five years old. And my mom's like anatomy books. I'm like, what the if is that? You know, like I remember those moments of like, oh, this is what it means to be a nurse. And what I assumed she was doing whenever she, because she would tell me like, oh, I'm going to go help people who are sick. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that meant that she was doing what she did for me whenever I was sick, Aww. which was hold their head when they're throwing <laughs> up. Like I thought that was what she, I thought she was on wet washcloth patrol for their <laughs> forehead. So and then just like holding the weight of their head as they puked. Um, and I was like, that's so nice that's of so her nice to do that. that. <laughs> yeah, and she's so great. Um, so as I learned more about nursing, I became a volunteer in the hospital where my mom worked. And that, so that was cool like to be around it, see it. Uh, but one thing that I realized was that I was not going to make it in nursing because I was a fainter. Real? Okay. Yes. That's also, yes. Yes. I was a hundred percent a fainting goat. My I mom was also a nurse. Yeah. And she all, yes. My mom was also a nurse and she always like, do you want to be a nurse? But I was also a like squeamish, like, yes. oh, so I just, yes. I never even considered it. But you faced your fears. I did kind of. Yeah. I, I mean, I had to, but I remember one day I was volunteering at my mom's hospital, ironically on labor and delivery. And I told the nurses, I was like, I want to see everything. Like if you have <laughs> something cool that, that I would want to see, I want to see it. So they're like, Hey, the phlebotomist is going to go draw blood on this baby in the nursery. I'm like, I'm there. I'm ready. So it was me and this phlebotomist in this nursery on this, you know, hours old baby. And uh, she begins to poke the baby. And then she says something that I'd never heard before. And she said, oh, no, it's going to blow. And when I hear that noise, I think the baby is going to explode. Like that. (laughs) That's the only only condom. How old are you? going to blow. Like 16. (laughs) I was 16. Okay. The baby is going to explode. Like I didn't know what she had done, but this is bad. This is really bad news. So I took that information in and my brain said, nope, not today. Turn off. I passed out and this poor phlebotomist has a needle in this baby. And then she has me. I hit my head on the way down on like a, on like a bassinet. And, uh, yeah, they called my mom, who was working that day, of course, and they're like, hey, you go, we're going to take her down to the emergency department. And she's like, absolutely not. Because if you're the child of a nurse, you get very little sympathy about anything, you know? <laughs> so she's like, no, this is just the way that she is. So um, I had told myself that day, like, I can't be a nurse. You know, like, if I can't handle that, a baby exploding, <laughs> then I can't be a nurse. But I ended up going to nursing school just to spite myself and... You know what actually got me through nursing school? Huh? YouTube. Because YouTube. I had, yeah, I had to YouTube stuff that scared me in order not to pass out. Oh, how the turntables. I know, right? Oh, Isn't that how crazy? The so I would YouTube like somebody getting their blood drawn, uh, somebody getting a shot, uh, somebody getting a central line places, placement, thoracentesis, paracentesis, like things that freaked me out. I had to watch over and over and over again to desensitize myself. And even though I grew up passing out at anything, I went through nursing school and only passed out one time. And I don't even really want to count it as a full pass out because I was drawing blood on this woman 
who had a central line placement. Okay, so it's basically mm-hmm. like a big IV in your neck. Right. Okay. Ooh. And so there's no needles associated with the drawing of the blood. You just kind of like screw in a syringe and you pull back. Uh-huh. Okay. And so I'm doing that and I'm like, this is going to be easy. No needles. Right. And I'm pulling it back and it's warm <laughs> and it's red. And oh. it's very warm. It is very red, and I started to feel fuzzy. Have you ever passed out before? Yeah, when my husband got his blood drawn. Really? <laughs> you were just like the sympathy fan. Well, I can, I'll, I'll tell that story in a second. Okay. I want you to finish yours because I'll ramble, and I okay. do not want to cut you off. So I feel it in my hand, and I'm feeling fuzzy in the, in the tunnel vision, and things are getting muffled, and I fully got in the bed with this lady. <laughs> Have you seen the, the video that's of that girl? It's like, I'm just going to take a nap right here. That's what happened, except in my patient's bed with her. What did she say? Are you okay? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I am good. now. Oh, But bless. I didn't fully pass out. I just, you just needed just a moment. Close. Yeah. You and you I needed a moment. moment. And that was it. See, but you took care of it. And that's why you stopped yourself from blacking mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that because I tried to play it off. So here's yeah. what had you happened. You gaslight yourself into yes. thinking that it's not happening. Well, so like... Avery had to get his wisdom teeth out. Okay. Like, this was only a few months ago. Like, uh-huh. this was not a long oh, time really? ago. Okay. This was very recent. Yeah. I think I, like, did a video on it and everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, because they have them on, like, medicine. Drugs. On the drugs. Yes. Um, I needed to be there to, you know, like, make sure he was okay, drop him off. As soon as they started the procedure, they had me leave the room um, and drive him home. Yeah. Well, as they were prepping him, they Avery's very afraid of needles, mm-hmm. like very afraid. He has refused to go to a doctor's office in the last decade because he does not, he doesn't want a flu shot. He doesn't want blood drawn. Poor dude. He is yeah. terrified of needles. Yeah. So he was very stressed out to get hit the IV. Yeah. He even asked them when he, when we checked in, um, is there like another way that you can knock me out other than the IV? Oh, like, is there, no. he goes, I Googled and there yeah. are options and they're like, no, no man, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> and he was so upset. Oh. So I really wanted to be supportive and like hold his hand when yeah. they gave him the IV. Of course. Um, but for whatever reason, I watched them stick Bad him, Bad and then I started to feel the fuzzies. Yeah, and literally my brain was like, Rebecca, this is not about you. You yeah. gotta, you gotta snap out of it. Yeah. You gotta get it together. And I, I just choose to say nothing. And I'm like mm-hmm. gaslighting myself. I'm like, you're good, man. Yeah, you're fine. fine. This is because this yeah. is not about you. Yeah. Stop making this about exactly. you. And like, I saw Avery's heart rate start going up also. And that also stressed me out. Mm-hmm. So then my anxiety was increasing, even though I was trying to gaslight myself that it wasn't. Right. So then I just go and I sit down. And I think maybe if I close my eyes for a second. Yeah. I'll be okay, but then I can just feel myself starting to sway, oh, no. and then you could just hear the poor nurse goes, "Are you, are you good?" Okay? <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." Like I tried to say, "Yeah, yeah," but it came out like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> and Avery then tries to start soothing me, and I feel like the worst person in the world because I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm." It could have been like a distraction <laughs> technique. Honestly, because, you know, he focused on you <laughs> and then got him through it, maybe. Well, they were like, do you, we need to get you, like, any snacks or anything? And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. Is he good? And But then, like, I 100% just blacked out against the wall. And then I came to with, like, 
just bottle of water in like Oreos in my face. Yeah. And they're like, please take them. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you're not allowed not I'm to. I'm really sorry. And they're like, it's okay. We have people pass out all the time. And then yeah. he kind of paused. He goes, it's usually the patients. <laughs> but That's just because <laughs> you're, you're empathetic. That's what I hear. That is the moral of that story. Is you have empathy. Yeah. Well, I think the worst part of the story is that like five minutes later, you could hear on the nurse's radio, like, can someone check on that wife in that one, that wife? <laughs> in that one patient's room? Like, she was not good. But it's fine. Um, But you made me think of an, another story. Yeah. Um, Because you said that, you know, when you're the kid of a nurse, you don't really get sympathy. None. Um, And I'll never forget. My mom feels so bad about this still to this day. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's fine. So um, when I was in elementary school, I, I did a lot of competitive cheerleading. I did mm-hmm. it from elementary school throughout high school. And I hurt my, it was like my first injury in cheerleading. Mm-hmm. And my mom, like no one in my family had ever done a sport like that before. So they didn't mm-hmm. really get how serious yeah. those kinds of injuries can be. Because you hear like cheerleading and you think the stereotypical like high school, like you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't you don't get it until you've done competitive cheerleading. Sure. And so I was like, oh, my ankle really hurts. And she's like, oh, you're fine. And I'm yeah, like, walk it off. Mom, it hurts to walk. And she thought that I just wanted to like, get crutches to look cool. Yeah, of course. So um, she found me a walking stick. <laughs> the, the least cool thing you could possibly have. And she's like, fine, if it hurts so bad, yeah. you can use the walking stick because she thought I was faking. And oh, so no. I took that thing all day to school because my ankle it. hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. And she didn't think it was real. And then at the end of the day, she saw me using it to get to the car. Yeah. She goes... Oh, wait. Are you good? I was like, no. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she's like, let's take you to get some actual crutches. Yeah. I said, yeah, that'd be nice. She's never doubted me again. I guess not. I mean, either your child who at this point in life would be mortified to be using walking stick. <laughs> I was using it faithfully. Oh, no. It's so funny. And like when I talk about those things with my mom, she... She's like, I'm not sure. You're make me look like a bad mom. I'm like, no, it's funny now. Yeah, like, like, you can look back <laughs> yeah, on it's humor. Funny. Yeah, she doesn't think it's funny, no. so it's fine. She doesn't know. Maybe she won't watch this episode. Maybe she will though. Maybe she will. She'll be all right. She'll roll her eyes at me. I'll give her a big smile. You yeah. know, that's how you do when you're a daughter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, was your mom excited when you went into nursing? She was. She was very proud. Yeah, what kind of nursing did she do? Um, she does like it's called progressive coronary. Oh, yeah. Por- progressive coronary. It's basically old people with bad hearts. That's oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, I went into the emergency department, um, first. Oh, yeah. To kind of continue what I was talking about earlier about how I got to labor and delivery. Yeah. Started out, um in the emergency department, which is funny to me being the fainter that I was to go straight into like the the craziest. Yeah, ER. Yeah, I saw a lady one time with a stiletto in her eyeball. That was crazy. How did it get there? What Uh, happened? Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not just like, why don't you ask that? So I was in nursing school at this point. And I was doing like an internship in the ER. Mm -hmm. I went through something called the critical care certificate program through the school that I was going to. It just gave you like extra critical care hours. Right. Um, So I was working in the emergency department overnight and this lady came in with a literal stiletto in her eyeball. 
and her eyeball was like this. And I've never seen anything like that in my life. Okay. I was like, and of course, everybody wants to know how it got there. Right. right? Um, she was eating with her husband and this lady walked in that nobody knew. Oh, right, right. Okay. Especially I her can, husband. Yeah, I can't I got know that. this lady at all. And she just got attacked by this rando lady that no one knew. So this girl took off her shoe and went into her eyeball. So, they like ship her out and everything. It's making my eyes water. <laughs> so like, do you know, <clears throat> was she the wife or the other woman? He, so she was the OG. She's the wife. She so the, the wife, wife got a stiletto to the eyeball. Yes, because somebody that no one knew was jealous. The one that no one knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Just some crazy off the street. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, women are just all crazy. I know. Wild. <laughs> Wild stuff. You just can't be contained. I know it. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So I went from being a fainter to being able to be vertical and see that at the same time. Absolutely. So I was like, I can, I can do emergency. So I did the emergency department for six years. The last year that I was there, I was the assistant director of the unit and hated that. Hated it so much. Why? Because being a manager is awful. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because you have so many different people that you want to make happy. Um, but you are also constrained by upper leadership. And so you have to make really, I don't want to say bad decisions, but decisions that you think are not the best decisions. You have to make those palatable to the people who work for you. And that was really hard to do. And, um, yeah, being on call all the time and having to come in when we were short and also just when a grown adults can't get along, that was really hard. You know, I remember one time it was like three o'clock in the morning. I got a phone call that two people were arguing and I'm like, if I get up, it was like being a mom. If I get up there, no, you're not going to like it. No. Oh my gosh. So I, um, there was a night that I, it was a really, really traumatic night. Like I was working on staff. I was the triage nurse. And what does that mean? Triage So triage is like, if you, oh my hip. Oh gosh. Are you okay? (laughs) Sorry, I'm old. Um, we're like the same age. How old are you? I'm, I'm 27. I'm 33. That's got, not that I far. Got ears on me. That's not that far. We're like Enough the same for my age. hip to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so triage is like, it's a French word for to sort. Oh. So if you come into the emergency department, if you walk in, you're going to see a triage nurse. And that triage nurse is going to say, I think you are more sick or less sick than other people. Okay. And then that's how you kind of go 
back. It's yeah. not first come, first serve. It's worst come, worst, first serve. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Let me So um, I was working in triage one night and there was an eight hour wait. Wow. That's just to, that's just to go to a room to see a doctor. Okay. That's not to see a doctor. That's like, you come in, you see me and then you get put back outside in the lobby and then you wow. wait for eight hours. It was awful. It was like during flu season, Christmas time. It was crazy. And then there were some really traumatic things that came in that night. And I had never had a problem with anxiety or anything. I've had a full-blown panic attack. Really? Was, yeah, because people <clears throat> um, see you as like the face of the weight, right? Oh, like yeah. you're the reason that I'm not being seen immediately kind of thing, even though there's nowhere to push you. You know, I'm doing the best that I can. And I had a full-blown panic attack in somebody's room. Like, I was triaging them and just, like, it just came over me, like, <gasps> and uh, it makes you feel like you're dying. But they called um, what we called the administrative coordinator down. So this is a person on any given shift who's, like, in charge of, over the hospital. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even leave because there was no one to replace me. And so I waited two hours, an hour and a half, two hours for someone from another hospital to come and replace me. There was no wow. work being done in that time. I mean, at least on my end, I was so beside myself. And um, that weekend, I got on the jobs page, and I was like, anything else, literally anything else. Oh. And so I found a weekend option position for labor and delivery. And I was like, I remember that being a very wet place, but I might be able to, <laughs> I might be able to try it. So then I shadowed, and then the next week I had the job. And it was just like a weight being lifted off of you because most people, I'm going to say everyone who comes in the emergency department is not happy to be there. Right. And to the contrary, most people who come into labor and delivery are happy to be there. Of course, there's really like awful things that happen. Bad circumstances. Yeah. But 95% of all situations are like a, a pleasant, happy yes. thing. Um, so... It was a big change. I get called a way less. <laughs> That's so funny because my mom actually hated her labor. and Like when she was in labor and delivery, she hated it. Really? She could not stay. Like she wanted out. Yeah. Because she, my mom. Was it because it was wet? It was very no, wet. No. My mom is not, she's not squeamish. Yeah. The slightest bit. Uh-huh. Like she can't deal with the sad circumstances yeah. like even yeah, though there's really hard. <clears throat> like percentage wise there's less mm-hmm. of them but she just couldn't so yeah. instead of devastating moved, yes um so she i'll actually go into like why she now does what she does yeah so my mom moved to lactation consulting wonderful um that's her favorite thing to be because it's mm-hmm. people who are in good spots who like just want to do the best for their baby and just need a little help doing it and mm-hmm. that's her favorite to be that support there and to mm-hmm. be that help um <clears throat> and today her ground rule is she doesn't care who, what, when, like, doesn't ask for money, nothing. Anyone who needs lactation consulting, like, she's there. doesn't matter what time. doesn't matter anything because um, she said this is the one story from her days as a nurse that has always followed her, that she was working. She was very young. I was just born. Mm-hmm. So she, this was, like, one of the first few times she was away from me for the first time. And a teenager walks up to her in the middle of the hospital with a bundle in her arms she said, are you a nurse at this hospital? And my mom said, yeah. And she hands her her baby and says, I need to return this. Return 
Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And she said the girl looked like she was a teenager, oh. a young teenager. Yeah. And my mom just stopped in her tracks and she's like, well, hold, hold, hold on. Yeah. What's, what's going on? <clears throat> and the girl told my mom that her parents disowned her for becoming a teen mom. Mm. And she was couch surfing for her, on her friend's couch, like anyone that would take her in. Mm. But the baby would not stop crying and she was getting kicked out of those places also and she's like i do not have the resources i don't have a place to go yeah i can't take care of this baby and my mom is like panicking Mm -hmm. well what do you do so she called the um doctor that was on call the family doctor that was around Mm -hmm. and uh someone someone just come someone come please and a doctor took a look and the um baby and mom both had thrush Oh, um, wow. which I guess is like a rash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, my, my, she was like trying to explain it to me on the it's phone. It's itchy, painful, just yes. not fun. Yeah. So she had it and the baby had it. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor was like, oh, we, maybe we can fix this. Maybe the baby won't cry as much. You know, it's still a newborn. Yeah. So it, it's going to like let you know when it's hungry and when it needs a diaper change and things like that. But maybe this will help, help yeah. a little bit. Um, and so, you know, um, did what they could, got her a prescription, got her the medication that she needed and just kind of sent her home hoping to goodness that it made a difference but my mom said she was just so haunted Mm. and that she you know who was struggling to be at work because she was away from her baby for the first time could not even imagine the anguish in this mom's heart Mm. because she felt like she had no other options but to give her baby up like and so she said that from then on like she didn't care she doesn't care who it was what time it was any time she hears someone is like pregnant, the first thing she says is, hey, if you need lactation consulting, yeah. you call me. I don't care yeah. what time it is. I'll sit on FaceTime with you. Aww. Like that's always her go-to. Yeah. And she's very passionate about that. And she doesn't work in the hospital anymore. Her knees are really bad. Like mm-hmm. she can't, she can't walk right, right. The around all day. Um, but she does like data entries for mm-hmm. medical and uh, like uh, like just hospital things. Um, but she will always make time for like she sounds like such a sweet yeah. lady. She's the one that's like, hey, next time when Jen comes to your house, I want to come say hi, but yeah. she's busy today. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, she's she's great. But that's what your thing made like that's what your thing made me think of. Cause yeah. like it's so I I feel like nursing is also like teaching in that, you know, every teacher is either meant for elementary or meant mm-hmm. for middle or high school or meant for math or science or social mm-hmm. studies and i feel like it's the same way with like nursing departments so true yeah what a good analogy i mean it's so like they're very very similar yeah um yeah because my mom could never do labor <laughs> like she would never and i am also the same way with what she does no thank you like any kind of it's called med surge which is just like uh adult sick people Mm-mm. Oof, it's not, mm-hmm. no. Do you feel like, like within the nursing realm, like within departments at hospitals, do you feel like there's like cattiness or bullying between like nurses within the departments mm-hmm. or between departments? Like, do you see issues like that at all? For sure. And all of it comes really? from perspective, yeah. right? Because if I am in my unit, I understand the struggles of my unit, right? So if you're coming from a different unit. You understand the, the struggles of your unit. And if my unit is causing you extra struggle, we're not going to get along. So for instance, like if we have no other nurses to take any other patients, we may have empty rooms, but all of our nurses have 
patients were doubled up like we can't take anymore, it puts a strain on like our OB emergency department who's now having to hold those patients who would be coming up, you know, so it puts a strain on them. Or like um, if we are as labor and delivery are needing to take a patient up to mother baby, but their nurse is not available, you know, then it puts a strain on. So it just comes from the perspective of like, not my problems are the most important, but my problems are the most important, right? right? Like I don't understand your workflow and your workflow is impeding my workflow. So like, I feel like that there can be some not happy times with those. But I think most of all, if I am thinking about like bullying and nursing, it really, I see it as being like nurses eating their young Teachers have the same issues. Okay, tell me more about this. Okay, Okay. yeah. When I was in nursing school, I got to see that firsthand. So I always tell the story and people are just like, what? Um, That I got tricked into performing CPR on a patient that did not want that for themselves. What? Yeah, they had no family. And Did they have a DNR? Yes, they did. I watched Grey's Anatomy. Yes, DNRs (laughs) do not resuscitate. So they had one of those, and um, I was working on this unit who was a very, 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 very small unit. And already, like, the culture of that unit was, um, we don't like nursing students. That was just, like, the the culture. Oh, that's so mean. Yeah, so instead of, like, me learning anything, which is fine, whatever, instead of me learning anything, they would give me a book of... um, cardiac rhythm strips and just sit me in another room with calipers and just have me write out like for 12 hours. Like that's what I would do. Oh my God. So one day we were getting a patient and um, they were coming up from the emergency department and they said, Hey, just go, go in there and get him started, which means like hook him up to the monitor, um, make sure that, you know, you clean him off, whatever needed to happen as the admission stuff. That was what I was going to go do. So I went in there and I was like, hey, Mr. So-and-so, and he's not talking to me. And I put him on the monitor and he's not like responding to me. And I see his like heart rate go from like normal to slowing down to like 30 oh. to like 20. And I'm like calling out for help and no one is coming. And then when he eventually his heart stopped, like I started CPR and I'm like yelling out, please, somebody come help me. And I hear giggling. No. Oh, my God. Giggling. And I so I thought, like, it, am I, like, am I being punked? And I really was. I was really being punked. Like, they, um, so I, I, it wasn't very long that I was doing it, probably a minute or so. And I felt, like, hot tears. You know, whenever you get, like, so worked up. So angry. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah, felt, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the tears coming and somebody stuck their head and was like, he's a DNR dummy. And this man had no family and they just thought that this would be like a funny way to haze me or whatever. That's um, so me. That's also like, isn't that illegal to yeah, try and yeah, resuscitate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they uh, lost their ability to have students after that. I don't think that that was really anything that they were mad about. But um, I left that day thinking, I don't want to be a nurse anymore. And then wow. um, I was driving home and I was like, no, no, no. I want to be a nurse. I, 
I just don't want to be that nurse. Yes. You know? So yes. from then on, even as just a little wee student, I was like, whatever nurse I am, I'm going to be oh. a, like a good preceptor. Like I want to have nursing students be excited to be there and not leave with these traumatic events. But I think that in nursing, and it may be the same in teaching, that we recycle our trauma almost like a a family would, right? Like Mm -hmm. if someone is abused growing up, they're more likely to perpetuate that cycle of violence. So if I went through what I went through as a student nurse and you're coming up through the ranks, you have to prove to me that you're strong enough to handle what I went through in order to be considered like in the same club. I think it's a little different in teaching in that like, and it sounds, it sounds so weird. Yeah. But you know, there there's the stereotype of like that new young teacher. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. the cool teacher and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think when it comes to teaching, I, I I think that a lot of a lot of people, especially women, have issues with getting older. Mm-hmm. And I think this realization that you aren't that new young teacher yeah, yeah, anymore, yeah. that is what I think really is the problem within teaching Mm -hmm. and I think there's also this idea that like yes veteran teachers are going to have more experience and more knowledge um in like understands things that younger teachers wouldn't understand but that doesn't mean that younger teachers don't have good ideas right and don't have good new fresher perspectives and don't understand newer technology and aren't a little bit more connected to this generation of kids you know and I think that sometimes um older teachers forget that Mm -hmm. and not always like I I in my experience teaching like I met some teachers who were amazing mentors who I looked up to so wholeheartedly who were just amazing human beings and who I strive to be like Mm -hmm. if I stayed in teaching which I did not but neither did they so it's fine yeah um but I also definitely you know I, I talked about this in a previous episode that when I started my department I was pulled aside by the next oldest woman and told I'm just letting you know these veteran teachers will make fun of you and will be mean to you because I was their little giddy pig before. Um, So sorry, I wish I could help you, but I couldn't even help myself Yeah, kind of thing. I think also, and I I feel like there's going to be similarities in, in this, is that newer nurses and probably newer teachers are not going to put up with the level of abuse from the system. Yes. That... Yes. That older nurses have had to endure. Yes, 100%. So we have a lot of new nurses who are not going to put up with, oh, you need to be a team player, you know? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. oh, you need to pick yep. up extra exactly. because you need to show right. that you are a team player. Right. But when you show that you have those boundaries, well, then you're just a problem. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. And it's, it's so funny because at the same time, you have the higher ups that are like, we can't keep new teachers. Yeah. We have 3,000 vacancies. Why are hospitals so bare? We don't have enough nurses. Uh-huh. But at the same time, oh, you're feeling sick and you don't want to come into work? Well, I guess you're not a team player. Bingo. Like, yeah, like, absolutely. It's wild. And so I think that we need boundaries uh-huh. in order to change the system. If we don't have yes. people who are willing to say, no, 
Right. How, we're going to continue to perpetuate exactly. the problems in our Exactly. Industry. I don't know if I ever said this on the podcast before. I might have. It's very possible. Because, like, I, my, the issues from, like, my last school, it's not a secret. I'll tell yeah. the whole world. Yeah. Um, I once, we once got an email um, from our principal that basically said, like, we have too many teachers that are getting sick and calling out. You need to stop using your sick days. Quit it. Like, Knock stop using personal days. Stop using, like, you should really plan your vacations better. I know it's your personal days and you can technically do what you want with them. But it'd be really great if you could just stop using them and stop calling out sick. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, think about your colleagues who are having to cover your class. Because, of yeah. course, admin couldn't be bothered to no, do no. themselves. No. That would, no. that would be terrible. But... <laughs> But so we talked about issues between nurses and nurses. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced all the issues between nurses and patients? Um, yeah. And I think that a lot of, so I see it two different ways. I see like the emergency department side of it where there's straight up violence there. Okay. Really? What do you mean? Oh, um, I was in charge one day and in charge just means like you're like the the charge nurse. Charge nurse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like in it's in the mornings like seven thirty. Just got there and I'm kinda walking around, make sure everybody's good. And I hear this blood curdling scream coming from a voice that I recognize. Oh no. And so I run to the front in triage and there was my friend, Elena, who was standing like this with just blood just blood everywhere. And I'm trying to make sense of the situation because I see her holding her face, blood everywhere. I see a man who is being like tackled by one of our techs. And I was like, what is happening? And so um, what had happened was this man was hearing voices telling him to hurt women and he went around the nurse's station to where she was sitting, backed her into a corner, and just sucker punched the crap out of her face. She oh. had to get plastic surgery. She had to get braces. Like, it was crazy. And all because she was just, she wasn't talking to him. She wasn't doing anything with him. He just, but, you know, there's such violence in the emergency department because tensions are high always. Um, but when it comes to, like, issues between patients and nurses on labor and delivery, a lot of it comes from either bad experiences that they've had in the past that caused them to come in with feeling like very defensive toward any kind of medical person, which is valid. Right. Um, Same with teaching. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, I can't blame you for feeling the way that you feel right. because of experiences that you Those had. Those bad apples that ruin yes, it for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And then also... Even if you're, you know, let's say you're coming in to have a baby, you've never had that bad experience before. You're inherently trusting someone who's got scrubs on in front of you and they treat you poorly. Like that is yeah, bad. That right. is really awful. Yeah. So um, I think that the issues between patients and nurses, I think that the, and I don't want anybody to get me twisted. I think that it falls on the nurse to have compassionate, empathetic communication from the jump and to stop being defensive against patients who don't inherently trust us because we're wearing yeah. scrubs, you know? No, that makes sense. Um, I have to show up every day as the best version of myself 
regardless of how I feel about any kind of situation, um, in order to create a safe space where patients feel that they can trust me. Um, in nursing, especially now, or just in obstetrics in general, uh, black women have the highest maternal mortality and morbidity rate. And so I don't expect a black woman to come in and say, oh, a white nurse is in scrubs and I am going to trust her because she is here. Absolutely. I want her to be suspicious of me, honestly. Like I want to have to prove to you that I am a trustworthy person before you will, before you should trust me. So I think that there's so many facets between uh, nurses and patients. And I think that it can, does, and should fall on the nurse to create safe spaces. It should not be on our patients to come in and have to create that for us, especially if they're a teetotaler. No, no, I get that. And like, especially what we were talking about earlier, like for the podcasting with Avery mm -hmm. and is like, you know, hesitation with medical personnel. Yeah. Cause I, I, I've mentioned it a few times. I haven't gone into like the detail on the podcast or anything like that. I always say that I want to like ask Avery's brother to make sure that he's not offended by me talking yeah. about it yeah. like that. And I just haven't cause I'm lazy. Um, but you know, Avery's mom traumatically passed in, in a very, very, very traumatic situation. And Avery just really lost a lot of faith in medical personnel and, yeah. You know, like I, I would, I've always been like a very, oh, the doctors say this, so it's fine. Or the nurses say that, or that's fine. But you know, Avery just isn't anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, just some people have those experiences and it's not their fault they had that experience. Exactly. And it's not necessarily the next nurses and the next doctors mm -hmm. fault that they've had that experience, but it's definitely something that we all have to deal with as nurses, as teachers and people before us might not, you know, yep. do the Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And I think that having me knowing that someone has had a traumatic experience in the past only helps me to be more empathetic to their perspective. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's why I don't get mad or defensive when somebody is refusing something that I recommend or uh, they are really standoffish or they're not like kikiing with me. I don't get offended by that or defensive towards that because I just haven't proven myself trustworthy yet and that's okay. I uh, I once had a, a dad of a student um I don't think I've ever told I don't know if I've even told the story on social media before but um this was maybe right like I think this was the the year after COVID started. So like COVID started in March and this was the next school year mm -hmm. um because I remember like being at home and I already had a bunch of like online lessons done already because I like from last year. And I had a dad email me just first, first interaction with him that I ever had, like a few days before school started, this long paragraph about how just letting you know I'm so-and-so's father and I already don't trust you and blah, 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 blah. And you have to put every lesson you put in front of these kids, you have to give to me first. I have to check it. I have to make sure that it's appropriate for these kids because I saw what you teachers were putting out last spring. Mind you, it was at a completely different school because she was a <laughs> freshman with me. So he's yeah. talking about the middle Somebody school. Yeah. Um, and I I saw that you guys completely skipped. Uh, I saw the propaganda that you, or I saw that you guys twisted World War II and like looked at different perspectives and what? are trying to teach un-American un ideals and things like that. So I, uh, sorry, 
but you now have to deal with the consequences of the last teachers and I have to approve of every lesson before you give it to these kids, at least my kid. And like, I, I just read it completely in shock. And I just wrote back, hey, Mr. So-and-so, uh, sorry you had that experience. Um, all of my online lessons are literally already posted. Online. You're yeah. welcome to go look at whatever you want. Um, I try my darndest to, you know, do what I can to make sure kids have as much information about every sin single situation as possible. Yeah. There are some there are some standards that I don't even think they go in depth enough. And so I add things like in our Middle Ages, there was no Africa or Middle East, but there was everywhere else. So I just added a day or two yeah. to cover them, you know, because if it's world history, it should be world history yeah. kind of thing. And literally his next email was, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, now I, I'm noticing I came on a little strong and I appreciate this and I'm watching your stuff. And like, I didn't do social media yet or anything like yeah. that. But I was making, um, I made like little bitmoji videos oh, yeah. for each history lesson because I had kids who could not get online during class. So I was mm -hmm. trying to find lessons that kids who either didn't have internet access or only had so many devices that they had shared with siblings that they could all access at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I made them, one took me 18 hours. It was off. That's how I now know how to edit things. Good <laughs> Lord. Yeah, it was, it was awful. I would have, I would have taken terrible. that so quick. And it's so funny because now that I actually do content, I look back at them and I'm like, that is so awful. Like, yeah. I did a terrible job. Oh my God. But like at the time I was like, look at how cool this yeah. is. But long story short, I totally relate to the whole like previous Having bad experience. Yes. And it's it's unfair. Mm -hmm. Um but someone did send me a story of a time that her labor and delivery nurse one hundred percent had her back. Wonderful. And it was so oh my gosh. I love to hear I can't it. even like so um this mama was given birth, obviously, labor and delivery. And the the deal was, the plan was whenever she went into labor she was going to call her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law and her mother were going to be in the room with her. Mm -hmm. And her mother-in-law was going to, on the way to the hospital, pick up mom and grandmother and children because the mom really wanted her children to be the first ones, besides the parents, to hold their sibling. Okay. That was very important to them. Okay. So mom and mother-in-law were going to be in the delivery room. Grandma was going to watch the kids until it was time for them to come um, and hold, see, the, baby. And hold yeah. the baby. Okay. Went into labor around 8 or 9 p.m called mother-in-law, hey, and mother-in-law lived, like they all lived about an hour away, so that's why everyone was carpooling. Oh, well, about an hour later, mother-in-law show up, shows up with nobody. Like, nobody is with her. And the mom was like, where's, where's my mom? And she's like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of late at night already, so I just figured they're probably sleeping. So I didn't even call them, I just figured, like, I'd just let them sleep. And this woman was like, I'm about to have a baby. I need my mom. Yeah. Like, I want to have my mom with me because her last pregnancy or her last birth was very traumatic. Yeah. Did not go well. The only reason, like, that she was able to remain calm and be okay was because her mom was there. Yeah. She's like, I want my mom. I'm not pushing a human out of my body without my mom. Right. And she's like, well... It's late. Like, I'm just trying to be courteous of their sleep patterns. Plus, like, your mom got to be there by herself for two births. I don't see why I can't just be there by myself for one. Like, I feel like that's pretty selfish on your part. <laughs> and she was like, you need to leave right now and go get my mom. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not driving an hour. 
And she's like, you need to get out of my room. Yeah. Before we have a problem. And the mother-in-law just refused to leave. So the nurse took it upon herself to escort uh, Miss Ma'am out of there. Absolutely. And said, no, I'm sorry. And, like, she obviously took her kicking and screaming. But the nurse was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And she, like, told her, hey, if you need, like, I will call your mom. And if she's not here, I'll hold your hand. I'll be Mm -hmm. your buddy. I'm going to be your person. Don't worry. This is going to be great. We're going to get you through this. And it's going to be great. And the mom, um, I can't remember... I don't think mom got there in time for the birth and the kids were not able to be the first ones to hold the baby. Oh gosh. And she, like she said, she's like, I don't know if I can ever forgive this woman for that. Especially when that was the plan. Right. That's the plan. You're going against the plan. I, I can't even imagine. Like I don't have kids. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so weird when I hear stories and see things of like, grandparents not understanding that these children are not their children oh yeah do you see a lot of that oh yeah do you have any stories that you're willing to share um there's so many things that happen and the wildest ones to me are the ones where mother-in-law or someone else in the room has such strong feelings about what kind of pain control this person I would like to see someone tell me. Oh, Shoot. my <laughs> Lord. I had a girl one time who she wanted a home birth. Okay. Uh-huh. This is her first baby. And she had been in like this prodromal labor, just like early labor at home for three days. Uh-huh. Water broke everything. Three days. Holy moly. And, but nothing was really happening others and just suffering. Right? right, right. So she came to the hospital and was wanting an epidural. I got you, girl. You know? Yeah. Immediately. Absolutely. I, will, absolutely. I will hook you up. So her mother, this was her mother. I yeah, I remember it. It was her mom, was like, absolutely not. Um, and just perpetuating all these things that are not true about epidurals. But I really could not give two turds what the mom thinks. <laughs> I want to know what my patient thinks, yeah. right? So I'm focusing in on her. What do you want? She's like, epidural. So I kicked everybody out because um, where I work, the epidural is a sterile procedure. So we can't have anybody else yeah. in, the, in the room. Um, we used to be able to before COVID, but now all of a sudden it's whatever. I yeah, don't you know? So, the germs um, are different now. It's different. It's different. <laughs> Build different this time. So she gets an epidural. She's immediately asleep, which is what I was hoping for her. Because epidurals don't go to your brain or anything, make you woozy. What they do is they just numb you. But she finally had a chance to rest. Oh. Okay. So I go in there and the mom like comes up to me like all in a panic. And she's like, I need to know what to do after this. And I'm like, what? I don't know what that, I don't understand the question. And she's like, no, how do I detox her from this? And I was like, what are you talking about and she's like the epidural where does it go and i explained that like okay below your spinal cord there's two different areas the epidural space is around that area like and i explained where the epidural goes and she's like no what chakra is it in and i was like oh no i don't i don't know what i don't know and she's like point point here and, and where is it? And so I point to like where an epidural goes. She's like, huh? It's in her heart. And I was like, I just want to be clear. Oh no. 
There is no epidural medicine in her heart. I just want to be clear about that. She's like, no, it must clear from the heart chakra. And I'm like, okay. But she gave her such crap about getting an epidural the whole time. That's so... Mm. And I'm like, you didn't go through what she went through. Everybody has a different experience. And maybe if you went through an unmedicated birth, cool deal, whatever, woo-woo, this is not her Mm-mm. experience. So GTFO and hush your mouth. I'm a person that, like, I do not care what you think, what you believe. Like, you do what makes you yes. happy. Like, I want you to live your best life. Mm-hmm. I have issues the moment you try to give someone crap for living mm-hmm. differently or give someone crap for not changing the things that they need or want to do to fit, like... To impose you. their yes. feelings. Yes. Like, that... I, I, I can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. I understand that there are... You know, as a teacher, I understand that there are some kids that would come to school and then have the COVID vaccine. And, like, mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You do you. You aren't a vaccine person. Okay. That's yeah. not my business. Yeah. But, like... Don't give other kids crap for getting it. Right, right, right. That's gross. Mind your business. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't. I can't do that. And when you have, like, if I have a patient who comes in and says, either one, I'd want an epidural. I don't want an epidural. I say the same thing to everybody. I will be your fairy drug mother if you need me to be. (laughs) And I will be your biggest cheerleader if not. Like, I want what you want yes and so if your if your dream is an unmedicated birth we will unmedicated birth it up and if your dream is to not feel as like feel as as little as possible i got you you know but like when people come in telling oh my gosh i have there's so many things that have happened but one of my one of my friend's sisters she just had a baby um Mm -hmm. a year or two ago i actually don't remember how how old she is oh but (laughs) um she she was just telling me this the other day how um this was her first birth and she wanted to be all drugged up like mm-hmm. give me give me everything yeah. yes and so she said that her epidural was so good it was so great mm-hmm. she felt nothing and she was just pushing and pushing and pushing that she was in delulu land yeah. right she's like i didn't have any conscious like notion of time i didn't know anything i was just like yeah let, let's do this thing let's have a baby and she like genuinely thought in her little delulu mind that she was like moving it along and we were at a good pace and things mm-hmm. were going um it wasn't so she pushed for six hours oh my god <laughs> and then the after six hours they were like or they they looked over they're like oh, hey mama and she thought, she really thought they were about to say, yeah, we're almost done. Time to have a baby. And they said, we're not making no progress. Um, oh. You want to do a C-section? And she's like, no, 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 I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah. feeling They're like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. So um, then the drugs start wearing off. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Cut me open and get this thing she out. Having a yep. oh, she got a C-section. Goodness. But because she apparently pushed for six hours straight um she temporarily paralyzed herself oh and could not i didn't even know that was possible yeah apparently that's a thing yep from your hips being like this you can pinch off your nerves and make your your legs that's terrifying she couldn't go to the bathroom by herself for days (gasps) and they were there was nothing the hospital could do so they literally sent her home with a catheter oh no what like, uh, there's so many, I heard that story and I just like cringed to myself because 
I swear, the best birth control for people who don't have kids is hearing about the birth right? process. Yes. Like, I heard that, and I was like, oh, my oh. God, I'm so glad I have my cat. Yeah. You're so cute. <laughs> Fluffy. I don't I, I don't even think the camera can see her. She's, uh, people who watch my other content and my other long forms knows that if I'm in this chair, there's a cat. Vixie's sitting right here, mm-hmm. right here. She's not She's even bothered. She's yeah. so good. But um, I want to know, like, what are some other misconceptions about the birth and the labor process? Like, there are so many things. Like, apparently, sorry for everyone who's squeamish, but, like, you poop yourself? You can. You can definitely do that. How often do you, like, I, 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 there's so much. I need to know all the things. Yeah, what are okay. things that people don't realize? So, you can definitely poop yourself. I like to blame anything, uh, like, unpleasant noises, smells, etc., all of that is the dad's fault. 100%, as always. That's, it's just common sense. Yeah. Um, things take a long time. Like, if you're coming in for an induction, I want you to think days. Oh, my god. Days, yes. The longest induction I ever had was five days, and she still did not have a baby vaginally. Yeah. How? How? You're, whenever we induce you, we're talking your body into doing something that it isn't ready to do yet. And I don't know about you, but if somebody's trying to talk you into something you don't want to do, it you can take a lot, of, a lot of convincing. So, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't get there. I just got to shiver. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, yeah, uh, it hurts more than you think it's going to, probably. Oh, and I... And that says so much. There's so many people that do like prep before the birth, which we love. We love it if you come in with that you've done like childbirth classes, you kind of get the feeling of of knowing kind of what's going to happen. So things aren't really a surprise. But I find that the people who are the most prepared are the people who prepared mentally for the marathon that they're about to go through. Oh so instead of learning like, yeah, that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't take your pain away at all. Yeah. Um, it's more preparing your brain to endure a lot in short bursts. Okay. Right? So people who, like if you hold an ice cube for a minute, like being able to transport yourself in your brain to a place where you can handle that, and then you take like a minute off and you try it again. Um, things like doing that helps birth. Yeah, it helps you mentally to prepare for like, because the contractions only last for about, I'm going to say about, because okay. contractions yeah. are about a minute. Um, so if you can get through a contraction, you know, you get a break in between. So if you can get your, your mind to be able to accept that amount of pain without losing your mind, chances are you're going to be able to tolerate things a little bit better. Wow. Yeah. Okay, what other tips? Um, some other tips. Distraction is good. So you can like squeeze a comb. So like the teeth of the comb digging into your uh, palms is helpful. Um, if you're thinking about doing pain control type stuff, I wouldn't blow your load to- that's really I wouldn't blow your load too quickly. Yeah. So if you're going in, I wouldn't get an epidural if you're closed, like if your cervix is closed, because being up and moving around is so helpful. And if you get one really, really quickly, not going to say that you can't have a baby vaginally, but it can be a little bit trickier on you. And at least where I work, we offer three options for pain control. And I would put them in order of how well they work, least to effective to most effective. Um, first is laughing gas. 
Um, second is IV pain medicine. And then third is epidural. If you are going to go like IV pain medicine route, and then you're like, man, this isn't what I thought it would be. I want to do something different. Don't go down and you're, don't go, don't yeah. go down the ladder. Yeah. That makes no sense. Because do people you, do that? Yeah. Because they think that it's going to. Just a little bit more. Some, or at least something different. Right. But the thing about like laughing gas, it doesn't take your brain away and it definitely will not uh, make you laugh. You will not be laughing at all. Um, it makes you feel like you're hurting in outer space, which if you are wanting to go without an epidural can be helpful because it can distract you and help you to cope with the pain that you're feeling. But if you're somebody who knows that they want an epidural, you probably will not be satisfied with the level of analgesia that uh, nitrous oxide can provide for you. Okay, right. so I have two questions. Of course. One, I, I need you to explain like exactly what is an epidural. Like, because mm -hmm. like we all hear it and we like know, but we don't know. Yeah. I need to know what it is and I need to know why so many people are against it. Okay. So an epidural is kind of like having an IV, but in your back. Is in so your spine? It is. It goes through your vertebrae. So, okay. I'm going to use my finger. Okay. okay. Let's say that this is your spinal cord. Okay. Your spinal cord ends and it ends above where an epidural goes. So there's a lot of people who think it's going into my spinal cord and that's why they're afraid of it for things like being paralyzed, stuff okay. like that. The chances of you being paralyzed from an epidural are the same as you dying in a plane crash on a commercial airline. Okay. Okay. So you can still be afraid of that happening, right? Like every time I go on an airplane, I think I'm going to die. And that is a totally normal thing to think. But when we're looking at the chances of that happening, you'd have to really, 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 really screw up in order to have an epidural that paralyzes someone. Okay. But it can be scary to think about a needle going back there. Okay. Right. So your spinal cord ends. Okay. But your spinal cord is uh, surrounded by two things, right? So there is the intrathecal space, which surrounds it, which is where your uh, cerebrospinal fluid lives. Okay. Okay. So it's like, um, if you ever did like a, if you ever heard of the, the term spinal tap. I had one. You've had one. Okay. Yes. What they were looking for is cerebrospinal fluid. Okay. So that is around your spinal cord. They were really looking for hepatitis, but. <laughs> hepatitis? <laughs> I had West Nile fever as a kid and they oh, couldn't figure no. out what it was. And so they were testing, but yeah, yeah go on, so go on. They were, they were looking at your cerebrospinal okay. fluid. That's yeah. what they were testing. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> so around your intrathecal space, mm -hmm is your epidural space, okay? Oh. So it's it's like around here, okay? Uh -huh. So what they do is whenever they go into the epidural space, they're just going into that layer. They're okay. not going through the intrathecal space. They're not going into your spinal cord. And like I said, your spinal cord ends before where the epidural goes anyways. And when they get into the epidural space, what they're doing is they thread a little catheter into there so that all the needle, anything sharp comes out of your back. There's okay. no more sharp left in there. And the catheter gets taped on your back so that you have it in place. It's not going anywhere. And then they hook up that catheter to um, a bag of medicine. And that bag of medicine will go continuously throughout your labor until, you, until we turn it off or it comes out right? Okay. Um, there are a lot of people who are against it for 
um, not being able to get up and move around, which is a valid reason to not want it. Um, some people are afraid of feeling claustrophobic, right? Like if they can't get up and move around, they can't run away, you know? And sometimes yeah. people yeah. have have issues with that. Um, there's a lot of people who are afraid of it uh, causing chronic back pain. And oh. the thing that people need to know about, say, like I've heard people say, you know, oh, my, my epidural caused me a lot of back pain. That would be like saying that your, your shoulder got dislocated, okay, and you went to the emergency department, and your arm still hurts from the, ep, from the IV. That's kind of like saying that. Oh. We're discounting all of the changes that your body and your spine and your hips go through. In childbirth. In childbirth, in pregnancy, like it changes so much. And it's so easy to say, man, this low back pain is from my epidural. But the epidural disrupts like this much of your tissue and it heals out. Like, so I get that it's so easy to say, man, that epidural but you forget all the stuff that your body goes through. They even did studies between people who did not have an epidural, people who did have an epidural, and they found that there was either no difference whatsoever in the incidence of chronic back pain, or in some groups that the incidence of chronic back pain was actually higher in the unmedicated group. So well, probably because like the tension of yeah, feeling. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. So oh. I, all of the reasons that people don't want an epidural are valid. Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I never want anybody to get an epidural who doesn't want an epidural, right? And I'm never gonna gaslight or talk somebody into an epidural if they just right. don't want one. Absolutely. I had a girl one time, she was very, very young. She was a teenager coming in to have a baby. And whenever she first got there, we talked about her plans for pain control. And she said, no epidural. Like that was her, her only thing. She was afraid of it. She did not want an epidural at all. So, I supported her in that, offered her everything else that I could. We did position changes, breathe it, but you can only do so much with that. Um, and then she gets to eight centimeters and she's screaming, screaming for an epidural. And so um, I help her to get an epidural. And as soon as she leans back after the epidural, she begins to sob. And I'm talking like big boohoo. Oh. And I was like, girl, you okay? Like, what's going on? And she's like, why did you let me wait this long? <laughs> she wanted, she thought that I should have like made her get that epidural because she was afraid of it. Aww. And well, I, I feel like when it comes to medicine, people who aren't in the medical field and not, not everybody, but most people who are not in the medical field don't understand so much of it mm -hmm. because like I genuinely like from just the way that people spoke about epidurals, I literally thought it was something like I don't know what I thought, and it sounds really stupid saying it out loud, but I'm thinking of like a tube you just like put in there, and it is, yeah. but it isn't. You know what I mean? It's like I'm like thinking like I'm thinking of like a big yeah no. thing. Oh no! Like the size of like half a cucumber. Yeah. Or something that no. you, and I'm thinking like oh my god, because you know my one of my best friends had a baby um mm -hmm. a year or two ago, and like she was talking about oh the epidural fell out, the epidural fell out, and I'm like how big does it have to be? Yeah. I'm like, oh my god! Right. So yeah. like I don't know, mm -hmm. and I, I feel like. Those of us not in the medical field who just don't understand, yep. it can be, people are naturally scared of things they don't understand. Exactly. And sometimes we get to a point where we feel like we're too old to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And that's always something that I say on like, am I the bad apple? Like you're never too old to learn something new. Yeah. You're never, like there's no such thing as dumb questions. Mm -hmm. Like learning is so important. And I feel like that's where a lot of, you know, like, 
she wanted you to tell her to get an epidural. She had no idea you legally could not right. do that. I'm not gonna do that for you, girl. I'm <laughs> like, I you like your job yeah. too much. Right. That's crazy. And I'm and I want to support what she like. What she wants is yes. what I want. And so yes. I'm never gonna push what. I mean, did I think that an epidural in that moment at her very small teenage body that she probably could use an app? Absolutely. But I'm not going to push that on her at all. Exactly. exactly. And the other thing that um, is kind of a misconception is uh, around epidurals is that people think that the epidural can wear off. There are two times that an epidural will stop working. Okay. One is if the medicine is gone and we don't replace the bag which the epidural pump makes awful awful noises and you would know if that happened um and then the other way is if it fell out like your friends right. did um because yes we tape it up on your back really well but, but it's not perfect if you're like you know Struggle. like an alligator and rolling around and stuff <laughs> it could get pulled out um but the reason that some people think that it stops working like when the baby comes out is that the nerves associated with that deep pressure in your butthole, that it feels like something's coming out of there, um, are not covered well by the epidural. So you can have okay. like the contractions that get covered okay, but when it comes to that ring of fire or your baby coming out, you can feel like, man, this epidural is not working anymore. Um, but it would be so much worse if you didn't have that. Right. Girl. So I'm assuming that just has to do with like how big your baby is. It right? can. It can. But also, that's any anything coming through there is bigger right. than we're used to. You know. Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a girl one time who came in and said, you know, last time I got an epidural, it wore off by the time I was pushing. I know in the back of my mind what she probably means by that, um, meaning that. She still felt stuff, so she's assuming that it stopped working. And so she said, I don't want an epidural this time. Okay, girl. I'm not going to gaslight her into saying, like, well, actually, it yeah. was working. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So this time she didn't want one. And I said, okay, girl. So we went the unmedicated route. And while she is pushing her baby out, she's saying, my epidural did work like that. Because <laughs> it's a different, it's a different It's different way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, you know, I'm never somebody who's going to, like, try to make you, like, especially in the moment, I'm not going to try to tell you that you're you're wrong about something. We just figure it out together. Yeah. You know? Inter- oh, my God. That's, that one's so horrifying. <laughs> like, again, this is, like, the best birth control for those it of really us who is. don't have kids. Yeah. It's good. It's birth control for me. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You did it twice. Yes. Oh, my God. I told my, so I work with my OB now, you know, oh, which is yeah. kind of weird also. But I went to him the other day and I was like, listen, this Marina, how long can we keep it in there? Because <laughs> I'm good. No. Like, um, I told him also that I was going to just let it stay in there so long it gets barnacles. That's yeah. my plan. Um, Avery's cousins that have all had babies in the last few years literally told both of them, looked me in the eye and told me, yeah, you don't feel a thing. You feel nothing in childbirth. Medicine's so great now. And I literally looked at them and I was like, how dare you lie to me? Big lie. How Big lie. dare you? Yeah. Trying to gaslight me yes. into that kind of situation. Yeah. But I had two great epidurals and it still felt like there was a two liter in my <laughs> I'm just being real. <laughs> that sounds so horrifying. Yeah. And then my husband said, how do you know what that feels like? And I said, <laughs> don't be weird. <laughs> I can, I can imagine. Okay. So before we go, I want to ask if you have any 
last thoughts, tips, tricks to give to like mamas incoming, their spouses, people mm-hmm. coming to support, and one also for like new nurses who may mm-hmm. or may not also be looking for labor and delivery. So start with the new moms, like or moms, spouses, support, friends, family coming in, like. What last kind of, like, advice do you have for them? Okay. Pick good support people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And know where your information is coming from. Okay. Right? Because there's so many people out there on the interwebs who are charlatans and grifters and will take advantage of your naivete about things and will try to uh, tell you that you need something or don't need something that could be medically bad for you. Right? So make sure you, you were... T- having a care team that you trust, interview them, ask your friends about them. Like picking your team is probably the most important thing. And having a support system, whether that be your partner or a doula, support, right? So team support is the biggest thing right there. Yeah, whether it's home birth, hospital birth, like whatever it is. Yes, absolutely. Um, For the support person, I'll say this, that... Not always is the obvious support person the person that needs to be there for you. You know, like, if your, if your baby daddy sucks. <laughs> Don't let him in the room. Just know that ahead. Of, and, and you know. You know. Yeah. If Dwayne is suck. <laughs> no. You, you, that's not a surprise. There's a lot of people who come in thinking that, this is going to be a great opportunity for for Dwayne to finally prove himself. Dwayne's not proven, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dwayne's going to prove himself the worst. Okay, <laughs> I see it every day, and they, there's a lot of unmet expectations and sadness, and you know Dwayne sleeping over there on the couch. But you don't have to bring him. You know, if he's going to play Xbox, he can do it at home. It's a, that's, a, that's exactly right. So pick your people wisely, and it doesn't always have to be. The kind of person that you or like the person that everyone else thinks it should be yeah and i always say if you're unsure however your partner treats you when you are sick is how they will treat you in labor so if you come home or they come home from work or something and you're sick and they expect you to have made dinner they expect you to do their laundry oh. they don't go and get you soup you know, like, yeah. those are the kind of people, don't bring them. That's a good, no. Don't bring them, because I'm just really lucky. Like, Avery Rogers also, would never. Also me. Like, my husband will go in the middle of the freaking night to go right. get me whatever I even would want, right? But I see so many people who don't have that. Oh. And so that's why I feel like I have to say, however they treat you when you're sick is how they're going to treat you in labor. So don't be having these wonderful expectations of them all of a sudden. But if you are a support person, take care of them how you would take care of them as, as, as if they were sick. You give them grace. You give them compassion. You give them empathy. If they yell at you, you don't take it personally. Um, knowing, they will yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> they will, there will they, be yelling. There will be, yes. Knowing what is annoying to them and what is comforting to them are very, very helpful things. Like, for instance, I don't like it if people play in my hair, especially if I don't feel good. Like, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And so Brian knowing that would be helpful so that he's not, like, touching my hair whenever I'm hurting, you know? Yeah. So knowing those things is important. And educate yourself. Like, don't leave it up to your to your lady friend to have to tell you what to do, what not to do. Just 
She's like, she's busy. She's a little bit yeah. Yeah. So if you have some education going in childbirth wise, amazing. And then for like new nurses who may or may not want to go into labor and delivery or who are starting out are lost little sheep, as you so the little yeah. little lasses or yes. lads, you know, mm-hmm. we love our nurses as mm-hmm. well. What kind of advice do you have for them if they don't have the kind of mentor support that, you know, you and I both also really wanted? Yes. I will say Seek it out, right? You're yeah. going to find someone on your unit who you you want to emulate, right? So you, you see the kind of behavior in them that you would like to be someday. Seek them out. Um, put yourself in opportunities to flex your balls. And I mean that as like... Literally. Literally <laughs> flex your balls. Like to be an advocate for your patient, to stand up for them, to, um, you don't have to just go with the flow of what a doctor says or a doctor, like you have to listen to your patient. You have to listen to them. Yeah. Um, be always learning, always learning. Just because you got out of nursing school does not mean that you stop learning. And learning doesn't always have to be like, uh, getting credentialed to do ultrasound guided IVs. Like, of course, that's a great clinical skill, but also never stop learning about how you can be a better communicator, how you can be a better um, person who holds space for somebody, how you can be comfortable with uncomfortable situations. Um, so it's not just like the medical stuff. I think that the communication and the advocacy can be just as important, if not more important, than the medical skills that you have. I love that. Yeah. Thanks so much for hanging out with me, Jen. Of course. I had a great time. I hope that you guys were as intrigued. Like, I have so many more questions, but I'm like, wow, this is the longest episode I've ever done. So we're just going to have to do another one later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this. Well, thank you guys so much. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day and hope to see you all next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, lovelies.